0: Intersecting Media presents...
1: We interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
0: The next thing in late night talk. Here we go. While you're working, eating, and playing, he's watching.
1: It'll be like O-10.
0: Keeping you informed. Thank you. Jason Page. Demented and sad, but social. Covering all the day's news from a studio somewhere in Southeast Asia. Worldwide! And talking about it with you. Blah, blah, blah. You're up late with Jason Page. hoo -ah. Or up early. Good morning. But just stay up.
1: It is time.
0: Here's Jason. All right. Thank you very much, Chad Erickson. I am Jason Page. Up late is on. Wherever you're watching around the world, thank you for being a part of it. Just after 12 noon in Singapore, if you're watching this live, just after 11 p.m. Eastern back in the United States... Of course, if you're listening to us on the Uplate with Jason Page podcast, courtesy of Believe, um, you can be listening at any time. So I guess mentioning the time is kind of irrelevant. Uh, We got a lot to do over the next hour. Coming up in about 13 minutes, uh, I will have an extensive conversation with Dr. Ben Wedrow. He's an emergency room physician at the Gunderson Clinic. And I wanted to get him on to kind of take us inside an emergency room when something takes place the likes of which we saw with Tiger Woods on Tuesday. What's going on in those moments, those fevered, panicked moments inside an emergency room? Is it fevered and panicked? What goes on? Uh, Dr. Ben Wedro will join us coming up at uh, 15 minutes past the hour, just around there. We'll get into um, WandaVision. Uh, everybody's talking about WandaVision. I couldn't escape it on my Twitter timeline, my Facebook timeline. I couldn't escape it. And then um, Disney Plus came to Singapore... Uh, two days ago, three days ago, I don't know, two or three days ago, we got Disney plus in Singapore and I said, you know what? I got to find out what all the fuss is about. I've watched pretty much all the Marvel movies. I can't even remember them. I've seen so many of them at this point, but I was curious to see what all the fuss was about with WandaVision. So I gave it, I gave it a shot. I watched the first episode and I was just like, what the WTF? What is this? I I don't understand. So we'll talk about that coming up a little later on. Uh, One prominent NBA star says it's time for the league to change its logo. But what are you changing it to? Who are you changing it to? I want to have that conversation a little later on. Uh, But as always, it always feels like politics is holding a heavy hand in the United States these days. And I think it's important to call things out when we see it, whether Republicans, whether Democrats, you know, the Democrats have an issue right now, the Biden administration with Neera Tandon, the um, OMB person that they basically were going to put up for nomination um, to run the Office of Management and Budget. Doesn't look like she's going to fit the bill. She's got some things she said in the past that rub people the wrong way, which is kind of comical because, quite honestly, for any Republican to feign outrage over anything that Neera Tandon has said, given the president they just supported for the last four years, it's kind of hypocritical, right? Oh, but she said mean and hurtful things about us. Oh, I mean, really? Now you're going to take a stand against bullying online? Anyway, so and, but still, the Biden administration should have been smart enough to know in these times, if you were going to sit and complain for four years about Donald Trump and Twitter, to, to bring a woman up as the director of office of management and budget, knowing that she has these incendiary things she has said in her past, kind of stupid isn't it there's a million people you could nominate for that position you nominate her anyway um i want to talk about marjorie taylor green for a few minutes to start the show today because again we're reaching this point in time where the gop has to ask themselves a question do we really want to be tethered to these people and maybe the answer for kevin mccarthy is yes they didn't even hold a vote about all the reprehensible things she said and did before she became a um, a congresswoman in the House. Yet they held one for Liz Cheney about whether or not she should keep her seat as the third highest ranking member of the House. But Marjorie Taylor Greene, eh, no problem. Well, now Marjorie Taylor Greene is unhinged. She is untethered to any of the normal protocols because she has no seat on anything. She's basically just wandering around the halls of the House of Representatives and basically she's going to just try to stir up as much junk as she can. She's going to try to create as much of a mess and make people as uncomfortable as possible for the next four years. And to me... If I'm Kevin McCarthy, and I'm the House, of Rep- uh, the House of Representatives, and I'm the Republican Party, at this point, when she starts doing things like this, isn't it time to ask yourself the question, why are we hanging on to her? Why are we even bothering? Now, I want to give this some context. Uh, in the House of Representatives, there is a woman... Uh, Congresswoman Marie Newman. She's a Democrat, and she has a daughter that is transgender. So her office is literally just a few feet away from Marjorie Taylor Greene's office. So you have Representative Newman, the Democrat, with a transgender daughter. You have Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican, who has said and done so many awful things before she became a congresswoman. Now we know about the things she's been saying since becoming a congresswoman. Now take a look at this very short video and make sure you pay close attention. Every time I think it can't get worse, it does. Now, take a look at that video closely again. Take a look at this again. Go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. That right there is Representative Marie Newman's office. Right there. A quick shot to the right. And you have Marjorie Taylor Greene's office. Now, she puts up a sign that says there are two genders, male and female, and then puts trust the science below it. I mean, could you get any worse? Can you be any more deplorable of a human being than to put that up right across the hall from your neighbor, somebody you're supposed to be working with for the common good? I mean, can you be any worse of a human being than to put something like that up there and do it on video... as if to be boasting about the fact that you've just done this. I mean, where does it stop? Does she literally think she could just say and do anything and she'll get away with it? Yeah, she probably does. And you know why? Because she can. Because Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, has basically given her carte blanche to do whatever she wants because she knows she's not going to be held to account. And what she did by doing this was to basically say, nope, you can't ignore me. You could take me off every committee you want, but you can't ignore me. Representative Adam Kinzinger, for his part, at least said something um, on behalf of at least a few Republicans. It's been retweeted nearly 4,000 times, gotten about 24,000 likes on Twitter. This is sad and I'm sorry this happened. Representative Newman's daughter is transgender and this video and tweet represents the hate and fame-driven politics of self-promotion at all evil costs. This garbage must end in order to hashtag restore our GOP. And Congresswoman Newman actually thanked Adam Kinzinger for speaking out. But where's the rest of the GOP? Where are they? Where are you, Kevin McCarthy? Even Liz Cheney, where are you? How do you stay silent? Are you going to pretend it's not happening like you did with so many things that Trump did for four years? Are you really just going to pretend this woman doesn't exist and that she isn't behaving this way? Are you really going to do that? And again, where's your moral compass? Where is it? This is a woman elected to represent her state, her district, and this is how she's behaving. And there's already talk about people who are going to run against her. I mean, what damage will she do? It's clear she wants to inflict as much damage as possible. Oh, but it gets better on the Marjorie Taylor Greene story. Because now, while you got Ron Johnson up there in Senate hearings saying, oh, these were instigators, these weren't Trump supporters that were rioting at the Capitol on January 6th. Well, now, bless their hearts at CNN, they actually went and did some homework. And they found a friend and associate of Marjorie Taylor Greene contradicting exactly what Ron Johnson said. Watch.
1: We were all there. It was not Antifa and it was not BLM. It was Trump supporters that did that yesterday. I'm the first to admit it. Being one myself. Well, there
0: you go. Trump supporter, Marjorie Taylor Greene supporter, Marjorie Taylor Greene friend, telling you right there on January 7th, the day after, who attacked the Capitol? We were all there.
1: Yeah. It was not Antifa. Yeah. It was not BLM. It was Trump supporters that did that yesterday. I'm the first to admit it. <laughs> Being one myself. Thank you.
0: Again, is there no end? Oh, but we need to move on. We need to start bringing the country together. How do you bring the country together when one of the two major political parties won't even acknowledge and admit what actually happened on January 6th? How are you supposed to reach across the aisle and work with these people? If I'm Democrats, I'm done. I'm done trying to work with this. You seek cooperation where you can with the few Republicans that might be willing to offer it up and Adam Kinzinger... Or Liz Cheney, some of the few sane Republicans that remain, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski. Mm-hmm. You look for the bipartisanship where you can. But other than that, you gotta jam forward, you gotta move forward with your agenda and start moving on. Cause these people can't be worked with. And I say this as an independent. I'm not a Democrat. But if I were a Democrat. I don't know how I could work with the other side that denies science, that has some of their own trying to attack fellow congresswomen that have transgender daughters. When you have United States senators that are Republicans saying, yeah, no, it wasn't Trump supporters that were going after the Capitol that day. How do you work with that? How would you go to work every day if you had to work with people that completely denied reality? How would you work with those people? How would you look at them seriously? Could you? Would you? You know the answer. All right, that's it on the political front. Stick around. We're going to get to Tiger Woods. What was going on inside the emergency room when Tiger got there? We'll talk to an ER doc, Dr. Ben Wedrow of the Gunderson Clinic. To give us a real perspective on what was happening when Tiger entered the ER. That's next, up late. We welcome you back up late. I am Jason. Thank you for being with us. Busy show. Talked some politics uh, to start things off, but I want to get back to one of the big stories of this week, and that is the injury to Tiger Woods, the car crash. We talked about it 24 hours ago. New details coming out, of course about Tiger. Police already saying, sheriff's deputies already saying, this isn't something where he was impaired. It sounds like it was just an issue of driving at a high speed in an area that's commonly known for accidents. Uh, But now the focus is on Tiger's recovery and his medical condition and what happens from here. And I wanted to bring in Dr. Ben Wedro, who does a great job. He's an emergency physician at the Gunderson Clinic in Wisconsin, who joins us here up late uh, all over the world and also on the update with Jason page podcast so um, I want to go through this statement real quick for those who may not have read it uh, and, and I'll read it to you doctor and you probably have seen it already which talks about Tiger Woods condition. It says Mr. Wood suffered significant orthopedic injuries to his right lower extremity that were treated during emergency surgery by orthopedic trauma specialists at Harbor UCLA Medical Center, a Level One trauma center. Uh, comminua- com- comminuted, comminuted, open fractures. Comminuted. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, affecting both the upper and lower portions of the tibia and fibula bones were stabilized by inserting a rod into the tibia. Additional injuries to the bones of the foot and ankle were stabilized with a combination of screws and pins. Trauma to the muscle and soft tissue of the leg required surgical release of the covering of the muscles to relieve pressure due to swelling. And that's from uh, the chief medical officer at Harbor UCLA Medical Center. He's awake, responsive, all of that, which, which is great news, by the way. So we have that statement. We put it up here on the screen so people could see it from the Tiger Woods camp. We'll get to the injuries and have you break that down. But take us into the ER because you have a patient come into your hospital with these kind of injuries.
1: Walk us through what happens. Appreciate that the you know his legs probably broken and misshapen, and everyone gets real excited on, in the field about that, and he gets real excited. But we're worried about the rest of them. Appreciate that he was in this big trauma and he had to be cut out of the car. So fortunately the car protected him and he was wearing a seatbelt and all is good. But we wanna make sure that other things aren't gonna kill him. So we worry about um, the neck being injured. We worry about spinal cord injuries. We worry about uh, damage to the chest and and to the heart and internal bleeding. And while the orthopedic injury is important and you don't want to delay care, that doesn't come first in in a trauma resuscitation. What comes first are the ABCs: Is the patient breathing? Do they have an airway? Or are they breathing on their own? Do the lungs work? Do their heart work? And then you go from there. Once you quickly establish that, though,
0: is yeah. it is it immediately going going into that leg? I mean, is it is it emergency surgery right there um, on the spot, or are they were are they able to take some time and and kind of assess, or is it based on infection, blood loss? Try and give me some sense.
1: Well, you don't rush to the operating room. It's it's emergent and that it has to happen now, but the orthopedic doctors need some information. You need x-rays. You need to know where the bones are. You know where, where the fractures are. Well, uh, remember, fractures are bro- broken, so break, crack, fracture all mean the same thing. The bone's integrity is damaged. Um, you need to make sure that there are pulses so that the, the blood vessels and the arteries are working. You need to make sure that the nerves are working, so you have to figure out who's going to go in the operating room with you. You can imagine if you've torn an artery um, not only do you need an orthopedic doctor who does the, the bone work, you need a vascular surgeon to repair the ar- artery. You know, if you've got damaged nerves, you might need someone to fix the nerve. So it's not just we're going to rush in. Um, you have time. There's always time. Um, you need time to assess the injury and make sure that you plan right. Because um, everyone sees on television the traumas are really noisy and people are running around and shouting. In the real world, a well-run trauma is really quiet. Everyone knows their job. Everyone has a position. The doctors know what they're supposed to do. The nurses know what they're supposed to do. The techs know what they're supposed to do. There's x-ray and ultrasound and lab and respiratory therapy. Everyone has a place at the table. Literally, everyone knows where they're supposed to stand. It's a um, well-choreographed resuscitation. When people start yelling, that means bad things are happening and people aren't paying attention and they're not fulfilling the role. So most traumas are quiet.
0: When you hear this injury take place, whatever it was, 48 hours ago now, something like that, when you hear about an injury like this, as an ER doc, I'm curious, because you've been in this situation, this exact situation. I'm sure you've unfortunately had to see your fair share of car wreck victims come into the ER. What immediately goes through your mind? Do you automatically jump into ER doc mode and start thinking about all right, here's what I would be doing. Do you, do you kind of do the play-by-play in your head?
1: I, I try not to. I, I, um, once upon a time, I, I, I used to do some medical consulting for television shows to make sure they got it right. Um, and I was lucky enough to work uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff. I try hard not not to, um, because you can't, really can't tell by, the pr- by press reports what's going on. But once you get a press release and see what the injuries are, you know what happened. Um, and you can play play-by-play in retrospect. But um, so it's a bad thing to say. But remember that emergency doctors there because they like the adrenaline of the emergency department. Yes. So when bad things happen to people, that's when people in the department, whether they're nurses or docs, uh, get their most job satisfaction because you're making a difference in people's lives. Um, so ideally, emergency docs should be like the Maytag repairman and do nothing. So much, <laughs> but, so, mu- so much of
0: what happens by the time the patient gets to you is predicated on what happened before they got to you. Um, you're absolutely right. And, and it sounds to me, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, that everything that was done at the scene was pretty textbook and by the
1: book. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it should be. Remember, these are, you know, these are paramedics in a big city. They do this every day. And the big thing is to do no harm. And the first thing you have to do is get to the patient and make sure they don't have things you need to intervene with in the field. And then to remove the patient, extricate them so you don't do damage. They didn't know the scene, whether Tiger Woods had a neck injury or a, a spinal cord injury. So you, you're very gentle with the person. You just don't say, come on, get out. Um, that's why we don't want people necessarily to, to rush in as, as um, good Samaritans and just drag people out of cars unless the car is going to explode. Let the people take them out gently and make sure that they don't twist them remove them or bend them in a way that will cause more damage. And they did everything absolutely properly and they got them to the, the, the hospital in an appropriate amount of time, but it was a prolonged extrication. They had to cut out the windshield. They had mm-hmm. to use the jaws of life to get into them. So, and you've seen the pictures of the car. The car did what it was supposed to do. It was, it folded up and protected them. And so we're fortunate that cars now have all that equipment to protect patients. And as long as, as they wear the seatbelt and those airbags work, and hopefully no one's ever an accident, but when it does, you want to see the car fold up and, and really get destroyed. How does a leg,
0: well, how does a leg get crushed then in that situation? If, if the most, for the most part, the inside of the car is intact, how do you yeah. wind up with those kind of injuries that he sustained?
1: Well, you can imagine that, um, and you see this and I don't know exactly what happened with him, sure. I appreciate that. Let's say you're, um, driving along and all of a sudden you see something's coming at you, whether it's a tree or another car, you take your foot and you stomp it on the brake and you lock your heel and your ankle and your knee and your whole body, you grip that steering wheel. And then all of a sudden you hit something and that front end of the car comes driving into the, oh. into the passenger compartment and all that force gets shot through the thing that's a strut there, which is your leg. And um, the things that happen are you, you break bones. Um, and so what will give way are the joints. Um, and so in those situations you can, Fracture ankles, you can fracture knees, you can you can dislocate hips, um, and and the the tibia and the fibula, the shin bone, and the femur, the thigh bone, can break as well.
0: How you likely? Can just imagine
1: doing that. How likely is it?
0: Uh, and we're talking with Doctor Ben Wedrow, emergency physician at the Gunderson Clinic. How likely is it that? there would be, cause he's, he just had recently another back surgery. He was hoping to get back for the masters. How much of a concern is it? And how far down the list is it even before they even begin to look into what the, what the damage is to his back, if anything?
1: My expectation is that he had probably had disc surgery uh, to his back. So the, right. the, the shock absorbers between the vertebral bodies, and it's going to be unlikely that the, the trauma of the accident caused any damage to that, um, we're more worried about the, the things that protect the spinal cord or the vertebral columns, um, you know, the vertebra, the, the bones in the back. And if those are normal, uh, and I presume that he had CT scan to prove that they were normal, um, and he has no neurologic deficit, which means that the nerves are working and he doesn't have weakness or, or numbness or tingling um, in the leg, then his back's probably fine. Um, because it's down low in the back, There's no spinal cord. It's just spinal nerve. The spinal cord ends at the lower part of your thoracic spine. And then you just have all those nerves coming out to form things like the sciatic nerve. So there's no spinal cord there.
0: It's very interesting because I remember I was in an accident when I was 13 years old. I was hit by a Mack truck and um, I broke, uh, I had an open compound fracture of my right tibia and they didn't use pins or rods because I was so young they decided to go the route of not using pins and rods. Now, they've yeah. obviously gone that route with him because he is he is obviously older. So let's talk about from a macro standpoint, because you're not his actual doctor and you're an ER physician and you're not necessarily an orthopedic surgeon, but we're talking about compound fractures to the tibia and fibula and a crush injury of the ankle. Can we even begin to try and understand a recovery time here?
1: Sure. So it sounds worse than it really is. Really? So yeah, because those aren't in, those aren't the injuries you should worry about. Because those are just bones. Bones that heal. Um, so according to the press release, he has he's broken his his tibia, which is a shin bone, in two places, up high because it's near the knee, but not involving the knee. Because otherwise they'd say that he fractured into his knee, and then down low, and we know he has an ankle injury because they reconstructed his ankle. So remember that the tibia forms the ankle joint with a bone in the, in the foot called the talus, And so we presume that somewhere down there, the fracture of the tibia or the breaking tibia goes into the, into the ankle joint and, and displaces it or or makes it not um, normally aligned. So let's talk about some terms. We don't use compound anymore. We use the term open and open means that the skin has been disrupted near the fracture. Why is that important? because that means the outside world now can get into the the bone and cause an infection. If the skin is intact, then you don't worry about infection as much, but if the skin is broken, it doesn't have to be this big jagged cut. It can just be a scrape along the skin. If that skin is disrupted, then the risk of infection goes up and you don't want to have a bone infection because that those don't, those take forever to heal. Comminuted means that the bone is broken in more than two pieces. So if you take, if you take a pencil and break it into, you know, it just breaks in two, but sometimes you get splinters come off here and splinters there. And so you can get little bits of bone or lots of pieces. And so common just means that there, there's more than two pieces. Um, why is that important? Because it's, you want to make sure that the bone looks like it should when you're done. And you also want to make sure that it's aligned properly. One of the problems with, with the, with a bone is that it, it's three-dimensional and we can align it pretty well in two dimensions, but you don't want to have rotation because rotation can cause problems. And so what what they did with him is they put a rod in. Now, a rod is a titanium rod. Um, you can go buy it at Home Depot, I guess. Uh, and you <laughs> shove it inside the bone. Uh, so you so in the operating room, he's under general anesthetic and they're pulling and prodding and and doing things. And then they put it right through the bone, where the bone marrow is. And, and that's, where, uh, that's where they align uh, the rod. But that rod, um, the, there's different types of rods, but you want to make sure there's no rotation of the bone around it because you can imagine that, you know, you can put a rod down and, and twist the bone around it. You want to make sure that the foot looks like it belongs. And same thing with the ankle. They'll use plates and screws um, in, the, in the bones in the, the foot and the ankle to align the ankle so that the ankle joint is perfect. Because if you have any step-offs, Even a a minute step off, it won't cause you a problem today or next week or next month. But over time, because the ankle's not, when you flex it and extend it, you bend it and move it, if it's rubbing, you're going to develop arthritis. You're going to have problems down the road. It's not tomorrow or next week. But the big problems he has are just what you talked about an open fracture, which means that the risk of infection is high. So they spend a lot of time washing out the wound. And there is no magic there. You take a water pick like device and, and you just you start spraying saline into it and you wash it out as best you can. Um, you take out dirt, if you're, there's grit from the road or whatever else you take out the stuff you can see. But otherwise, you just wash it forever um, and you wash it until you think it's clean. Um, so that's the big thing. And you'll get antibiotics as well to prevent infection. The other thing that's the most important thing, though, is that they said that they opened up the coverings of the muscle. So they were concerned that he had something called compartment syndrome. Now the muscles in the leg and everywhere else in the body it turns out run in little, um, they're not just sort of free flowing. They're, they're contained in, in compartments and they have fibers around. them. That's so that the muscles can slide as they're supposed to, um, when they contract and if you get swelling in that compartment and you can get swelling because of a tibia fracture or any direct blow to a, a, a body part that can swell. Um, the, it starts to swell. And because you, it's it's contained, the pressure in that compartment can rise. And if it rise ha- rises higher than arterial pressure, then the way your heart can push blood down to it, it raises higher than your blood pressure, then blood doesn't get in that muscle and that muscle starts to die. Mm-hmm. And the only way to fix that is to take a scalpel and just cut open the the uh, compartment, and if there's if it's under pressure, you'll see the muscle sort of expand just like sausage wow. expanding out of a casing. And so it's not just like you can see that, you can measure the pressures, you can put a needle into each compartment, there are four compartments in the lower leg, and you can measure that to see whether or not the pressures are going high. So when you talk about the bone, is he gonna recover from the bone injury? That's not the big concern that I think I would have for his recovery, it's how much muscle did he potentially lose, or did they, do the fasciotomy opening up the fascia or the compartment lining to let the muscle uh, repair itself and, and heal um, is that successful so he doesn't lose muscle bulk that's the big deal
0: how long of a hospital stay if there are no complications uh,
1: a while really he's going to well they're not because he's got an open fracture they've cut open all this muscle he, he his skin's still wide open so he's going to have to go back in the operating room and have that cleaned out again, and everything closed up eventually once the swelling's down. Okay. And um, and once that happens and they're comfortable, there's no infection, um, then he gets to go home and then he gets to start rehab.
0: So rehab um, would start. So rehab would start immediately when he gets home.
1: Well, he needs to because remember, if you don't use something, it's going to get really stiff. Sure. And uh, so he needs to start moving his hip. He needs to start, start moving his knee. He needs to start moving his ankle, as well, because he you have a a leg that's damaged. If you don't start moving it, you run the risk of developing blood clots. Mm. So um, again, you've probably heard of deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolus. Those are the complications of of trauma patients when they sit around and do nothing. So we don't want that to happen. Uh, So his rehab starts probably, he's probably doing some rehab right now, Uh, even with uh, his, in the uh, the post-op bed, uh, where they're making sure that he's moving his toes, and you know, doing whatever they do uh, post-op. You know, I'm, I'm really getting the first hour of care, and I'm, I'm pretty awful sure. down the road. But um, those would be the complications we'd be looking at if he came back later.
0: Uh, I'm not sure if you play any golf. I played a lot for many years, still play occasionally. I understand the importance of the lower body in a golf swing. How realistic would it be to think Tiger Woods can return to playing golf at a professional level and competing with the best in the world? He's already 45. You're talking 46, 47 by the time he's rehabbed this injury. Um, How realistic is it?
1: What were your thoughts about Alex Smith coming back and playing for Washington?
0: True.
1: Elite athletes are driven to perform. Remember that when you get hurt, you have to go to work and you get an hour, you know, twice a week for physical therapy, and then you have to do it on your own. If his drive is to get back and play, he has 10 hours a day to do rehab. He has physical therapists. He has people to do that. And will he play at a professional level that's elite again? I hope so, because it's fun to watch Tiger Woods play. We thought that Alex Smith was going to lose his leg. And how many operations? 17 operations later, Alex Smith is playing football at a high level for Washington. So elite athletes are a little different than you and me. Um, they have different resources, but they, their brains are wired differently. They have the ability to overcome adversity and see the long game as opposed to us where, you know, oh, it doesn't work so well, we'll quit. And they sure. know that we're not talking about this month, next month, they're talking about six months from now. He's planning on the masters next year already. You know that.
0: I believe I'm firmly believe he's going to at least try to come back. I'm not gonna predict that he's able to come back because I it's not just the the injury to his to his leg that he suffered it's it's really the compilation it's really the cumulative effect of the back five knee surgeries five back surgeries now this it may be a question of does he want to now he's always been a guy that's wanted to prove the cynics wrong and the skeptics wrong uh that's one thing that's always been a driver for tiger as it is for a lot of major um, star athletes um so i i predict he will try but uh, you know, who knows what complications come up a- along the way, too.
1: Remember, though, the goal of medical care is to return the patient back to the level of function that they had before the injury or the illness. That's he's a pretty goal.
0: extreme, but he's a pretty extreme circumstance, considering returning but him that, to that is
1: difficult. But that's the goal. If he wants to aim for that, the purpose of his medical care will be to get to him. If his goal is to play golf with his son and, and revel in his son's. Uh, right accomplishments. Great. But the goal will be set by both the patient and the, and his medical care, but there should not be limitations put on it. If it's, if it's appropriate that said, um, his doctors, um, and his therapists will also be brutally honest with their expectations, of what he can and cannot right. do.
0: Uh, Dr. Ben Wedro always enjoy the conversation. Emergency physician at the Gunderson clinic. Thank you so much. I always appreciate
1: it. Thanks,
0: Jason. Have a good day. We're back with more of Up Late. Stay with us. We welcome you back, Up Late. Good to be with you. Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're on all of them. And don't forget, if you miss anything from the show, if you're unable to watch us live weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern back in the U.S., you can download, subscribe to the Up Late with Jason Page podcast. Free. We're on everything. Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. We're on all of them. So... Get the show. There's no excuse. If you're a fan, if you enjoy um, the content, there's no excuse. It's uh, easy to get to. Uh, Thank you again to Dr. Ben Wedrow for joining us from the Gunderson Clinic in Wisconsin, an ER doc, uh, somebody I've turned to for years whenever I'm looking to have a conversation about anything uh, in the medical field. Interestingly, I was talking about this this morning with my partner. Uh, July 12th will be 30 years since I fractured, had my open compound fracture, what's now called an open fracture. I had the open fracture of my right tibia uh, when I was 13 years old. And July 12th, 1991. uh, So July 12th this year will be 30 years since that happened. And, and it's funny, of all the injuries I sustained, as I mentioned with the doctor, I got hit by a uh, Mack truck when I was 13. And of all the injuries I suffered, the one that um, healed the best was that. I've had virtually no issues with my tibia injury. And again, they didn't use pins or rods, which is kind of a risk. They decided to let it heal because I was young enough. And I've had no issues with that. My knees are shot. I've had a lot of issues with my knees. Plus, I played baseball and had a lot of wear and tear. I played some catcher when I was younger and played basketball and tennis. And I did a lot of, a lot of sports where you run around. So my knees are all messed up. I'm sure they'll have to be replaced at some point. Uh, but at 43, I don't even want to think about that right now. But, like, if I squat down, like, it's a struggle to get up. Not because of my weight, but because my knees are just just bad. They're arthritic at 43, which kind of sucks. Uh, but 30 years, wow. And, you know, here's a funny story. You know who operated on my, my compound fracture, my open compound fracture injury? Yale New Haven Hospital. Former NFL player, former Yale Bulldog, Dr. Rich Diana, performed the surgery on my shin. True story. Played in the NFL briefly with the Dolphins. Yale Bulldog. I think he might have been the first Yale Bulldog to make it into the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. And years later, I finally caught up with him when I was working in Hartford for ESPN Radio there, and uh, it was a really cool moment to be able to talk to him and be able to thank him personally for the work he did on my on my shin uh, after the accident that almost took my life, which was kind of cool. All right, um, anybody watching WandaVision? Anybody? It feels like everybody's watching WandaVision. Um. I started watching it the other night. I had heard about it, everybody was into it. Um I had the opportunity because we didn't have in Singapore we uh, up until 2 days ago we didn't have Disney Plus. So a couple of days ago Disney Plus came here and I decided the first thing I was going to kind of binge, because I think they're on, what, Episodes 8, Episode 9, something like that, I decided I was going to watch WandaVision. What a weird show. Now, again, I've watched most of the Marvel movies, if not all of them. I don't remember them all that well because they all just sort of blend together. But I was completely baffled watching WandaVision when I watched the first episode. I said, what is this? Like, is this supposed to be some comedy is it like leave it to beaver with wanda and vision like what on earth is going on and then at the very end of the first episode i got a tip that something was a little amiss and i don't want to spoil it for people i mean if you haven't watched it yet maybe you don't maybe you'll want to avoid this segment maybe i should give the disclaimer that i guess there's a few spoilers here i've only watched the first 3 episodes so i don't know how much i can possibly spoil But with each episode, you start to understand a bit more and more that things are not as they seem in this leave-it-to-beaver world, this I-dream-of-genie world with Wanda and Vision. Oh, Randy, you got to subscribe to Disney, man. You got to at least try it. Subscribe to Disney+. Plus. There's so much on there, and I'm not getting paid to say that. Between the Marvel movies, the Star Wars movies... All the content from ESPN that's going to wind up on there as well because they're in the Disney family. You got to think big. You got to think bigger than just Disney. You can't think, oh, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. You got to think bigger than that. See, I only watched a few episodes of Schitt's Creek and I thought it was hilarious. Um, It's a show that I wouldn't mind going back and watching because the cast in it is fantastic and it's a really funny show. Right now, my two focuses are Bridgerton and WandaVision. Those are the two shows that I'm getting into. I've watched like the first four episodes of Bridgerton. Now I've watched the first three episodes of WandaVision. And for me, it's also about having time because I want to watch them with my partner. You know, Chung and I want to watch them together. So we have to be on the same schedule where we can figure out time to watch them. I'm doing this show, I'm doing a podcast, I'm doing two podcasts. You know, I'm working on my media company here, so it's about having time to watch them, too. So when we watch one episode, we'll usually watch two or three at a time. So I'm sure we'll get caught up in one. And, and there's other shows I watch. I like to watch SNL. I like to watch uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. And then I have my news viewing I have to do. I have to watch sports. It's just finding time. It's just finding time, quite honestly, to, to watch it all. But uh WandaVision's getting good I'm I'm a few episodes in as I said and now it's starting to pick up some pace and pick up some speed and you're starting to get to the root of what's really going on what's it called Wellville where they live so if you haven't started watching it my, my, my suggestion if you like the Marvel movies is to um give WandaVision a shot I think it's um I think it's pretty interesting and I didn't realize, now it's funny, I didn't realize the actor playing Vision. Yeah, Diane, I'm definitely into it. Um, I didn't realize that Vision was the guy that played Russell Crowe's imaginary friend in A Beautiful Mind. What's his name? I forget his name. Ugh, it's going to drive me nuts. But I had not watched... Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about that until I actually started watching. Then it was funny yesterday on on Twitter. You know, it was trending. Was Elizabeth Olsen is the sister of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. A lot of people didn't know Elizabeth Olsen was related to him, and all you got to do is look at her, and you can figure out she looks like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. But all you ever heard about growing up was Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen from Full House, and now. Everybody's like, "Wait, Elizabeth Olsen is their sis? Is their sister? Yeah." And of all the acting careers, she probably had the biggest of the three. But all you ever hear about is Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, I got to get into Schitt's Creek. I have to get into it. But if you're if you're watching Wandavision, I'm curious to know what you think of it, because um, like I said, I'm three episodes in, and I'm just kind of like. Still trying to figure it out. Plus, people say you need to go back and see Age of Ultron, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, and there's one other movie Civil War. You're supposed to see Captain America Civil War and uh, Age of Ultron. And so now I, I feel like I got to go back and watch. And again, that can get kind of tedious when there's so much backstory to something. You got to go back and forth and watch and try and pick up little Easter eggs and pick up little nuggets of what's going on. That can get a little tedious for me. I don't want to have to work that hard to watch a show. Not to sound like a jerk, I don't want to work that hard to watch a show. That's why I loved Seinfeld. Didn't matter when I turned on Seinfeld. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It didn't matter when I turn on Seinfeld. I can watch any episode anytime. It doesn't matter what I saw before, it, what I see after. It. Every episode just kind of stood on its own. That's fine with me. I when somebody starts telling me, "Well, you've got to go back and watch this movie, and you've got to go back and watch that movie," and then you'll understand that small little part that happened in WandaVision. How much time do you think I? I mean, you you almost have to do it for a living. You almost have to watch these things for a living in order to do it, right? All right. I'm, uh, yeah, Diane, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced we're all watching a little too much TV. But, I mean, with coronavirus back in the U.S., I can understand why a lot of people would. See, here in Singapore, we can go out everywhere. We can go and eat at restaurants and watch movies in movie theaters and go to bars and things like that, but you can't, you know, in the U S so I can understand a lot of people are sort of married to their televisions. You know what we just did here in the, in the page chew estate, uh, here in Singapore the other day, we actually just put a TV in our bedroom. We only had the, the new 55 incher in the, in the living room. And we just got that like a week and a half ago, gorgeous LG, uh, 4k model, OLED TV. And they're not cheap over here in Singapore, by the way. They cost a lot more here than they do in the U.S. But we decided to take our small TV that we had in the living room and put it in our bedroom. So now we have the ability to watch TV in the bedroom and in the living room, which means never having to get out of bed, (laughs) which is not a good thing. uh, As some of you may know, if you have a TV in your bedroom, everybody thinks it's a little weird to have a TV in a bedroom. I grew up always with TVs in the bedroom. So for me, I can't imagine not having a TV in the bedroom. But in Singapore, again, cultural lifestyle differences and things like that, they don't have TVs in the bedroom. Strange? Very strange? Yeah. strange. I don't know. Do you have a TV in your bedroom? Is it weird for you not to? Would it be weird if you did? I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that. Let me know. All right, uh, quick timeout. I want to come back and finish the show with some sports. Uh, One prominent NBA star, very outspoken NBA star, thinks that it's time for the NBA to change its logo. How does Jerry West feel about that? How does the rest of the league feel about that? And who should be the logo? We're talking about it next, up late. All right, we welcome you back up late. I am Jason Page. Fast show. Went by real fast today. If you missed anything from it, maybe you're just tuning in. If you want to go back and catch the show, the Up Late with Jason Page podcast is available for you. Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on all of those platforms and more. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe to that podcast and give it a listen. We also have the Intersection podcast, Not To Be Forgotten, uh, which we have coming out every Monday or Tuesday. And I should say, uh, we didn't do one this past week. We will have another episode coming on Monday uh, or Tuesday. It'll be with Lon McCarran. He is the face and voice of the World Series of Poker on ESPN. He's been in the broadcasting business a long time. Uh, He's always somebody I enjoy talking to, and we will talk to him coming up in our uh, latest episode of the Intersection Podcast. So stay tuned for that. It'll be out on Monday or Tuesday morning for sure. All right, let me finish with some sports. Um, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets who has just become more and more outspoken, which, by the way, I don't have a problem with. As long as you're not a distraction to your team, as long as you're not saying things that could be deemed offensive to your teammates and and ruffling feathers in your locker room, I don't have any problem with it at all. And I think this is a really interesting conversation he brings up, saying it's time for the NBA to change its logo. And I agree with him. Jerry West was a great logo for a long time. Jerry West has no problem with the NBA changing its logo. I mean, imagine carrying that. I'm sure it's an honor, but I imagine if you're Jerry West. Most young people probably don't even know that the logo of the NBA is Jerry West. They don't even know who he is. He was a great player, a Hall of Fame player. But now it's time for a new logo. And some people have suggested that it should be Kobe Bryant. And I am as big a Kobe fan as you will find. After Patrick Ewing, who I grew up idolizing with the Knicks, um, after Patrick Ewing, Kobe Bryant was probably my favorite player over my lifetime, over my, my generation. So the question is, who should be the new logo? And I hate to say it because I'm not even a big fan of his. But if we're really going to have the logo conversation, as it may be, doesn't it have to be Michael Jordan? I mean, can it really be anybody else to carry the logo? I mean, are you just going to skip over probably the greatest basketball player of all time and find a new logo and have it be Kobe, who was great, but are you giving it to, would you've given it would you've said Kobe should be the logo. If Kobe hadn't tragically passed away the way he did, I don't think people would. And I hate saying that cuz it's an uncomfortable thing to say. It's like when people win a posthumous academy award or a posthumous grammy, and you know the only reason they won it was cuz they died. And again, I say it as the biggest Kobe fan other than Patrick Ewing, I am a huge Kobe Bryant fan. But if you're talking about a new logo for the league, is it anybody other than number 23? Is it anybody other than MJ? I just don't see it. Let me know. Tell me what you think. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter, at the back page. You can comment in our chat box. Uh, But if you're listening to the show on the Up Late with Jason Page podcast, Hit us up on Twitter at the back page, or you can leave a comment in whatever venue you feel uh, see fit to do so. I'm on so many different social media platforms, my head kind of spins. I'm not really sure uh, where I am sometimes. Uh, But who should be the new NBA logo? Something we'll have to talk about in the days and weeks ahead, and I'm sure it's something the NBA will address, because if there's one thing the NBA does these days, it's they listen to their players. So if you have a real rallying cry from players around the league saying it's time for a new logo, you're probably going to get a new logo. Just a question of who it is. Randy watching the show right now on Facebook Live says maybe multiple logos. That would be an interesting idea. How about not, how about changing the logo yearly? Well, you know, baseball cards do this all the time. Uh Tops baseball cards. Every year, Tops baseball cards does a different cover person on their different cover person on their uh box of cards or on their packs of cards. Topps baseball cards does it. Panini does it with their cards. Every sports card, you know, manufacturer does it. Be kind of neat if every year the league had a different person as the logo. It's kind of a crazy idea. I don't think they'll do it, but it's kind of a crazy idea. Just like NBA Live, the game that EA Sports does, or 2K Sports, whatever it is. They have a logo. They have a a different athlete, a different cover person. It'd be kind of cool if the NBA did that every year. I don't know, just a thought. It's not going to be Jason Williams, though, I can promise you, Randy. It's not going to be Jason Williams. It's going to put the finishing touches on this Wednesday slash Thursday episode of Up Late with Jason Page. Again, subscribe to the podcast. If you like watching the show, click the like button. Check out the Intersecting Media Facebook page, Intersecting Media Twitch page, Intersecting Media YouTube page. Like all of them. I got anything else? I don't think so. It's time to go. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a part of it. Thank you to Dr. Ben Wedrow of the Gunderson Clinic as well. 11 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. It's Up Late with Jason Page, the podcast on all of your podcasting platforms. If you want to listen to it, ah, just like old times, Randy. I agree. Catch you back here tomorrow. Stay safe. Mask up. Get your shots if you're eligible to do so talk to you all later. I'm Jason Page. Bye.